Welcome to Empowered Living with Evangelist Robin Sherrod. Grace and peace and welcome to Empowered Living with Evangelist Robin Sherrod. I am so glad that you have taken the time out to join us today because here at Empowered Living, we add value to your life as we point you to Jesus Christ. Our goal, our mandate is to strengthen that horizontal relationship that you and I have with the word of the Lord so that in turn it will empower the vertical relationship that you and I have with our Father, which is in heaven, seated, making intercession for you and I. Listen, I am glad again that you are here with us. Let us go ahead and get right into the word of the day. Get your Bibles, get your iPads, get your tablets, and let us go to the book of Psalms. Let us go to the book of Psalm, and we're going to be coming out of the 51st chapter, Psalm 51, verses. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12, and then we're going to move down to verses 16 and 17. So Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, and then 16 and 17. I'm going to go ahead and read it. I ask that you follow along with me in your tablet, in your iPad, on your computer, or if you have the soft back or the hard back of the Bible, let's just go straight to the word of the Lord. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast away me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Verses 16 and 17. For you, talking about God, do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. What a word, what a word for us today. And I want to speak to you today from the subject and from the title of speaking about the forgiving power of God. The forgiving power of God. And if I was to have a subtopic, it would be being released from shame and guilt. Being released from shame and guilt. How many of you, under the sound of my voice, have been in need of forgiveness? I think that's probably 100%. How many of you have had to extend forgiveness? I think, again, that's probably about 100%. Now, when you and I forgive, we forgive according to our capacity to forgive, which is oftentimes based on our human experience. But there's a deeper level of forgiveness that I really wish I had been taught earlier in my Christian walk. And it is the forgiving power of God. And that, my friend, that, my brother, my sister, is what we're going to look at today. And our platform is Psalm 51. 
This is a psalm, as many of you know, was written by David. And the psalm was written by David after he was confronted about his sin. He was confronted about his sin from Nathan the prophet. Many of you already know the sin that David had committed. He had an affair. He had an encounter. Some people may call it an entanglement of today. But he had a sexual relation with a woman who was not his wife. And her name was Bathsheba. When David should have been out to war because he was the king, he should have been leading his troops in war. But yet he stayed back and he was on the rooftop. And his eyes and temptation gazed him over to the other side and he saw Bathsheba. He summoned for her to come to him, of which she did. They had relation. And she went back to her place, thinking that no one would ever find out. But what happened was, as we say, Bathsheba came back and she told David, I am pregnant. David then decided, I need to figure out what I'm going to do in this situation. So he went in turn and had his chief warrior, if you will, his chief uh, uh, leader, if you will, of his army to bring Uriah back from the war. Uriah came back and had a conversation with David, make a long story short. David wanted Uriah to go and have relations with his wife so that Uriah would think that the child that Bathsheba was carrying was going to be his. But Uriah, being the noble man that he is, he told David, he said, no, I can't do that because my men are out at war. That wouldn't be fair for me to go and have relations, have a good time with my wife when I need to be at war with the troops. So David, distraught in that situation, because now how am I going to cover this up? He in turn has his leader of the troops to send Uriah to the battle. He gives Uriah his death sentence. He gives Uriah a note. And he tells Uriah to go and give this note to the leader, which he does. And when he gets there, the leader reads it. And it says, put Uriah in the heat of the battle so that he's killed. And that's exactly what happened. So once Uriah died, David went and he had Bathsheba to become his wife. Now, this had gone on for about a year. And Nathan shows up. And he begins to speak to David. He asks David a question. He gives him a, a parable. He gives him a scenario, if you will. And David is, is actually, he's very upset about it. He said, you know, whoever this person is, they should be killed. They should be, you know, pretty much stoned. They should be held accountable. And Nathan stops and he says, guess what, King? That's you. At that moment, David's sin came and smacked him right in the face. And David began to pen this psalm of Psalm 51 about the forgiving power of God. Now, when you and I look at the power of forgiveness, again, we have the capacity to forgive, but sometimes we don't forget. How many of you can give me an amen on that one? But when we speak about the forgiving power of God, there's a level of forgiveness that man cannot give. And that, my sister and my brother, is what we're going to talk about. Again, 
if I had known now what I should have known then, I would have not. And I would have saved a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. You see, because when I was growing up, I heard a lot about sin. I heard a lot about don't do this when you become saved, when you become a Christian, when you become a believer. Don't do this and don't do that. Don't go there and don't have that. Don't look at this and don't look at that. So I was told all the do's and the don'ts. I was told to live holy. I was told to be obedient. I was told to ask God to forgive me and not to say those things were not good. But there was a deeper aspect of God's forgiveness that isn't in any comparison to our own. And because I did not understand that, I only looked at forgiveness from a surface level. You see, because you and I can forgive an act. I can forgive an act. I can forgive you lying. I can forgive you cheating. I can forgive you for committing adultery. I can forgive you for stealing. I am forgiving you from the act. But there is a soul that's attached to the act. And if I don't get to the soul, which is the S-O-U-L of the act, I'm going to continue to perpetuate. I'm going to continue to do the same thing over and over again. You see, God is the only one who's able to forgive the soul of the act. If you go over to uh, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, this is the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus asked him a question, will you be made whole? But then Jesus also told him, go and sin no more. So there was some sin attached to this man's infirmity. There was some sin attached to this man's sickness because he told him, go and sin no more. So Jesus was getting to the soul of the act. You see, because if he had gone out without the soul of the act being delivered, he would have found himself right back in that same place again. Let's move on over to the book of John, chapter 8, verses 3 through 11, when Jesus is speaking about the woman that has been caught in adultery. He tells her, go and sin no more. So he forgave her from the act. He told her to go. So he forgave her from the act and he told her sin no more, which means that there was a soul, S-O-U-L, to the act that this woman had found herself in. Because you see, if the soul of the act had not been delivered, this woman would have went back and committed adultery again. So sometimes we wonder, how come we're doing the same thing over and over again? You see, Paul spoke about it. He said, this old wretched man that I am, when I want to do right, I can't do right. I don't understand why I cannot do right because the soul of the act has not been delivered. I'm talking about the forgiving power of God. James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. 
Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So let me give you the disclaimer, first of all. This message is not about doom and gloom, but it's about victory and it's about deliverance. Because the only one who can deliver you and I from the wages of sin and death is Jesus Christ. I don't care what anybody else trying to tell you. I don't care how many people you go to and ask for forgiveness. You can get forgiveness from that act. But the only one that can deliver you from the soul of the act, the only one that can deliver you from the wages of the sin and the death is Jesus Christ. That's why we're talking about the forgiving power of God. People are going every place else but to God to be forgiven and to be set free. So what is an appropriate response to sin when we have offended a holy God? What is an appropriate response to sin when we have offended a holy God? First of all, we know the word is what? Repentance. John, you know, it speaks about it over in the book. Um, it talks about, about um, how Romans 10 and 9, it speaks about it. it. talks about John 10 and 10, how God came and that he gave us life and that life was more abundantly. And the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. And then we go over to Romans 10 and 9. It speaks about if we confess our mouth and we believe and that we shall be saved. But in being saved, there is a repentance that needs to happen. So what is repentance? Repentance is a complete, radical, total change. It means to completely change or to entirely turn around in the way that one is thinking, behaving, or living. You see, repentance is not about making a 360 degree turn because what happens? You're right back where you started. But repentance is about making a 180, making the 180 and going in the opposite direction. So you are forsaking sin and you are embracing God. You are forsaking sin and you are embracing God. That is what repentance is. And all of us, Every single one of us, under the sound of my voice, every single one of us need to repent. John 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we need to look at repentance a little bit deeper. You see, repentance is not remorse. Remorse is a feeling of regret. And it's a few words of apology. And that's often what happens when we ask for forgiveness, we have a feeling of regret. Nine times out of 10, it's because we got caught doing something we shouldn't have been doing. And we have a few words of apology. But when we talk about genuine repentance, it is the daily, the hourly, the moment by moment decision, okay? Decision to change your heart, to change your mind, to change your behavior and your spirit that it aligns with the purposes of God. That's what repentance is. A decision is a decision now to change your heart, to change your mind, to change your behavior and spirit so that it aligns, come on, with the purposes of God. Acts 3 and 19 says, repent then and turn to God. That's that 180. So that your sins may be what? Wiped out. 
that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. It says, if we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, come on now, simply come clean about them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He will forgive our sin and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim we have never sinned, we are out and out contradict God. We make him a liar out of him, a claim that only shows off our ignorance of God. What a word. What a word. 1 John 1, 89, the Message Bible. So what is sin? You know, oftentimes we put sin in this big uh, glump, this big, this big uh, a pool, if you will. But what is sin? Many of you know sin is missing the mark, right? But how do we miss the mark? We miss the mark as we go back over to Psalm 51. When we look at how David approached God, he talked about his sin. And he spoke about it in three aspects. First, he talked about a transgression. What is a transgression? A transgression is knowingly stepping over the law. You know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. That's a transgression. So how many of us, under the sound of my voice, can say we have fallen under the sin of transgression? Can I get an amen? All of us. Thank you. I'm in the right place. It's you know to do, you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. I want you to think about a child. One of the things, think about a toddler, a little two-year-old, when they first begin to talk. Outside of mama and daddy, what's the first word they say? The first word that they will say is no. And you as a parent, as you tell them, don't go run over there, what's the first thing they're going to do? They go and run over there. They tell you, shut up, be quiet. you like, where did you learn that from? I didn't teach you how to be disrespectful. Where did that come from? That came from the innate sin, the sin, the inclination of sin that we're all born into because of the sin of Adam and Eve from the very beginning. You can go read about it over in the book of Genesis. So that sin nature is already there. So what shall we say then? Romans 6, 1 and 2. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer to it? So we know it's wrong, but we do it anyway. And do we think that we can continue to fall underneath God's grace? Absolutely not. With the child, if you don't train that child up in the way that he or she should go, that's what the Bible tells us to do. So that little two-year-old or three-year-old that's, 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 that is saying no, that's going in the opposite direction, if you don't teach that child the right way to go, believe me, that little seed is going to grow up to be a big seed. And it's going to be a big problem in your life if you don't check it early in life. And I don't mean by, you know, utilizing uh, cor corporate punishment and all those type of things. I'm referring to what the Bible says and train up a child in the way that he or she should go. So transgressions, what's the next one? The next one is iniquity. What is an iniquity? And iniquity is to bend, to twist, to distort. Iniquities are bending and twisting or distorting the word of God or a situation to fit you. That's what an iniquity is. 
So how many in the room? Because we know sin, right? Sin, as David explains in Psalm 51, as he shares in Psalm 51, he speaks about the transgression. That's when you know that something is wrong, but you do it anyway. What is an iniquity? An iniquity is when you try to twist the word of God, when you try to twist the situation. One of the main phrases that I hear when we talk about an iniquity is when someone is trying to explain something the way they say, you see what happened was, that's the first thing they say, you see what happened was A, B, C, D, elemental P, right? You see what happened was because they're trying to explain something away that they clearly know that's not right. But Proverbs 28 and 13 says this, a man or a woman who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. That's iniquity. And we all have fallen under that because the Bible says again, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Next, in terms of sin, we talked about transgression. We talked about when you uh, know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. We talked about iniquity is when you do something wrong and you twist the truth on it instead of coming clean. And now we're going to talk about uh, evil. Now, evil is just straight up what it is. It is something that's totally opposed with God and his purposes. So someone goes out and they, as we have seen, unfortunately, shooting innocent people, children, uh, uh, elders, just people randomly. We know that's evil. Someone going out raping, you know, uh, someone bombing areas. We know all that is evil. James 1 and 15 says, don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. It says that God is impervious to evil and he puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing, flying up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby called sin. Sin grows up to an adult and becomes a real killer. This is what sin is. But we have a roadmap. Praise be unto God. We have the word of God that you and I can go to. We have the forgiving power of God. We have a way that we can approach God so that he has the ability to clearly forgive us of not only the act, but also the soul of the act. The word of God is our blueprint. It's our compass. It's our GPS. It comes from the Psalms that we are looking at, one portion of it, which is Psalm 51. Now, Psalm 51 is a penitential psalm, which is a psalm of confession. There are several of those in the book of Psalm, and I'm going to share them with you. One is Psalm 6, one is Psalm 32, one is Psalm 38, one is Psalm 51, another Psalm 102, another Psalm 130, another Psalm 143. These Psalms, which are called penitential Psalms, which are also Psalms of confession, these Psalms express a sorrow as a consequence of sin, okay? There's a sorrow that is acquainted with sin and the desire for repentance and the removal of the source of affliction. These are also gratuitous 
towards the goodness and the mercy of God. So these Psalms, when we find ourselves in a place where there is a gap between us and God, when we find ourselves in a situation where there is a breach in our relationship with God, and we have gone to God and we have asked him for forgiveness, but yet on our inside and in our know of no, we either keep repeating the sin over and over again, or we find ourselves still entrapped by shame and guilt. These Psalms are a roadmap to help us to approach God properly. Because you see, there is a posture of repentance when we come to God. David speaks about it in Psalm 51 verses 16 and 17. He said, if I could just bring you a sacrifice, I would. He said, but your sacrifice that you're asking of me is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart is what he's saying. I need to come to you within my brokenness. And in my brokenness, God, is where I will find the deliverance that I need. And these Psalms help us to help us to navigate again and help us to get there. First of all, there is a sorrow for the consequence of sin that we have committed. Then there's a desire not to turn it around 360, but to turn it into the opposite direction of 180. And not only that, we don't only want to be forgiven, but we want to be able to remove the source of the affliction so that I don't find myself doing this over and over and over again. This is the posture of repentance that we must have when we come before the Lord. I want to speak to you today to say to you, to encourage you in your heart that there are things that you have done that you are not proud of. There are things that we all have done that we are not proud of. However, we have a loving God. We have a loving God that will forgive us, but we have to come in the right posture to God. We have to understand that sin is transgression. This sin, and that's when I know to do it right, but I don't. We know that sin also comes in the form of iniquity. It's when we twist the truth to make it fit ourselves. And then other sin is just straight up evil. Regardless of the fact, sin is sin. But we have a loving God who said he's faithful and just to forgive us. I want you to raise your hands to the Lord right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come before you now, Lord. God, I bring everything to you, Lord, that I've been holding on to. God, there are sins, Lord. There are things, God. There are transgressions, iniquities, Father God. And there is evil, God, that I have walked in. And Lord God, some of it I, know, I walked in knowingly, but some of it I walked in unknowingly. And so, Father, I ask you right now, Lord, to touch and move by your spirit in my life. Do a new thing. God, I thank you for the newness that is happening in my life right now. I surrender my life to you, Lord, and I love you, Father God. Creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you again for this opportunity. I want you to come back and tune in next week. I got more for you as it relates to the forgiving power of God. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. If you'd like to stay connected with Robin Sherrod Deliverance Ministries, visit us at robinsherrod.com. Partner with us for weekly devotionals, candid conversations, Q&A, 
and a behind-the-scenes look at ministry life. We'd love to hear from you on social media and look forward to connecting with you next week.